Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. These aspects of your scent are what attract mosquitoes to you. Scientists have known since the 1960s that human scent is a factor in the degree to which mosquitoes find and show attraction to an individual. But until recently, they didn't know which aspects of scent most excited a mosquito's blood-sucking desire. In a new study carried out by entomologists at the University of California, the scientists segmented the many chemicals which together make up human scent and tested them individually, slowly building a profile of how a mosquito finds and selects its prey. Mosquitoes are not only annoying because of the itch that comes from a successful bite, but they are also vectors for the spread of many illnesses, some of them potentially fatal, such as malaria, Zika, chikungunya, dengue, and yellow fever. This means that any new information about what attracts them to humans has the potential to save lives as we learn to counter their attraction. And as somebody who has traveled the world uh, and has seen the devastating effects of, uh, of mosquitoes, uh, it, it's good for us to know. Now, I'm not of that group that wants to eliminate mosquitoes. Mosquitoes are an incredibly important part of the, the fauna that they participate in. It's obviously, it's the disease transmitting element of mosquitoes that are particularly vexing, especially in some of the poor parts of the world where malaria still reigns supreme. Malaria, of course, is a parasite, but the other diseases that we talked about were viruses. And you could see how different organisms, be it virus, parasites, or what have you, have used mosquito as a very successful vector to transmit illness. So this study found that it was primarily three elements of human scent which make mosquitoes most likely to identify a victim and to decide which part of their body to land on and bite. Wow. Namely, the combination of carbon dioxide plus two chemicals, one being lactic acid. The level of these three and their ratio to each other are responsible for the majority of what attracts a mosquito to one person over another. I think we've all known people who are much more likely to get bitten by mosquitoes. Um, Me! Finally, we have a deeper understanding of why. But can you do anything to decrease a mosquito's attraction to you? While the scientists behind the study say that further research is needed to develop effective countermeasures, previous experiments have suggested that lowering lactic acid levels can result in measurable differences in the number of bites. Huh. Okay. How can you lower your lactic acid levels to avoid unwanted bites? There are some natural ways of doing it. We're trying. First of all, lactic acid is primarily manufactured in the body when carbohydrates are broken down. So a diet high in carbs can contribute to more lactic acid in your system. Lactic acid can also be diminished by washing it out of the system by staying well hydrated. So make sure if you're in an area with lots of mosquitoes, you drink extra water, eating a balanced diet, which includes lots of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and, and the meats is also helpful. 
Finally, getting plenty of sleep under a mosquito net gives your body the best possible opportunity to naturally regulate lactic acid levels. You know, this makes sense, though, because I work out in my garage and when I work out and obviously you work, when you work out, you build up lactic acid in your muscles. I feel like I get more mosquito bites. So that makes sense to me. Huh. There you know. <laughs> Doing these things doesn't mean that you won't get bitten, but it does give you a better chance of being one of the people who are bitten less often. It's still important, however, to utilize other prevention mechanisms if you're in an area where mosquitoes are likely to carry diseases. This new research shows more about how mosquitoes develop attraction, and in the future, it may lead to more effective sprays and other methods of hiding ourselves from and repelling insects with natural solutions, which uses our body's chemistry in our favor. And while we're on it, just a quick little uh, don't scratch mosquito bites, slap them. Or um, my wife has shown me that if you just take your nail Mm -hmm. and just kind of make make a cross in the mosquito bite, uh, kind of dig your nail in into the imprint. Uh, toothpaste on mosquito bites are helpful because it eliminates the, um, it provide, and it could be anything really, but it provides a barrier between the bite and the, uh, and, and oxygen, uh, which is thought to be one of the things that creates the itch, uh, as well. So from a well-traveled, uh, <laughs> individual, those are some, some, some ideas to help with the itch. Tiny swimming robots treat deadly pneumonia in mice. New promising results have been published in the Journal of Nature Materials showing that micro robots injected into the lungs of mice allow them to successfully clear pneumonia-causing bacteria present there with 100% survival rate. When you compare that with 100% mortality rate for which the mice didn't benefit from these little robots, you can see how important this could be in the future of medicine. I don't know about this story, Dr. Derry. I don't know about this one. Microbots have been a concept since the CIA. See, right there. Since the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) Since the CIA began studying them in the 1970s. However, the technology to actually create working models on the one millimeter or smaller scale, commonly accepted as a qualification for a microbot, was not available until the early 2000s. Since then, this kind of research has exploded with major universities such as Harvard and corporations such as IBM and Microsoft pouring increasing resources into the development of microbot technologies. Microbots are not only mechanical, but increasingly rely on biological components. Microbots, which integrate biology, are also sometimes called xenobots. The first xenobots were built from the cartilage tissue of the African frog. They could live for weeks and propel themselves based on the rhythmic contractions of the tissue. The latest studies have injected RNA into xenobots, which allow them to be trained to exhibit specific behaviors, which, when exposed to stimuli, such as light, there are even xenobots which can self-replicate. One of the only man-made forms of reproducting light. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I hope I'm, I'm cringing as I'm, I'm reading this. <laughs> oh my gosh, the microbots in this study were primarily constructed from two components: algae cells with self-propelling elements and nanoparticles speckled with antibiotics. The algae cells allowed these robots to move around the lungs, delivering antibiotics to more difficult-to-reach areas thus more effectively delivering the antibiotic laced through their tissues and reducing harmful inflammation 
that resulted in the death of non-treated mice. One of the lead researchers, nanoengineering professor Zhang at the University of California, San Diego, Jacobs School of Engineering, says one of the main goals is to do targeted drug delivery into more challenging parts of the body like the lungs, and to do it in a way that is safe, easy, and long-lasting. The study was one of the first demonstrations of this kind of technology at work inside the body of an animal. If studies continue to show similar success, it could lead to a future where a drastically lower amount of antibiotics could be targeted to a specific area the bacteria is infecting. This could also help slow the evolution of bacteria who are constantly evolving to avoid antibiotics, which results in lowered efficacy for these important drugs. This is a field you can expect to hear a lot more about in the years ahead, as more money is allocated for the development of these little robot helpers. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast. Follow us on social media and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Hickerson, at hopehickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefilterthshow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your health care providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. <laughs>